Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new spoiler review here of Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 3 from The Geek Buddies. Hey! Hey! Got to get a little different flavor since uh, McClungus isn't here. That's right. McClungus not joining us for these. He's not the biggest Star Trek fan, but we are going to hold down. That's because Star Trek. Is an intelligent man sci-fi. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? I, I, won't I said let you it. I said what I said. The man. <laughs> I said what I said. Uh, well, today we are jumping into what I think is going to be, Michael, one of the most controversial episodes. And I'm saying this ahead of time because we're recording this ahead of time. We're lucky that we got to get the first six episodes early. So we're recording some of these reviews earlier then they would normally come out. So we don't know how people are going to react. But my assumption is that this one is going to be one that people are going to battle about online. And I think that's on purpose here. This one's written by uh, David Reed here. It's directed by Amanda Rowe. And it is called Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which, is, of course, is an allusion to Macbeth's speech. I think it's Act 5, Scene 5, after he finds out that Lady Macbeth has died. And he delivers oh! this... <laughs> Mr. Shakespeare knows so much. Same, you know, Shakespeare and Star Trek go hand in hand. But yes, this is this is an eleven line soliloquy where he talks about the futility of life. And certainly, Mike, you can make that connection here in this particular episode. This is a very heavy Leanne Nunian Singh episode, along with Kirk, a two hander here, uh, going at it. The tango and cash of the Star Trek universe. But one of them dies, and that's Kirk. We get to watch die Kirk die again in this world, which is really fascinating to consider and have a relationship, at least for a brief moment, like the soliloquy talks about, a brief time, a moment of time here, and have that affect Leanne that by the end, she is devastated by the loss of Kirk, but also what she's had to do in order to save this universe and had to sacrifice in order to not remove that scarlet letter from her name. So this was a very intense, exciting, fun Star Trek that evoked Star Trek IV, evoked those great old-school Star Trek episodes when they go back in time with Joan Collins and what have you, and also pushed the narrative forward of the season. And yet again, Mike, no Anson Mount till the end of the damn show. This is an incredible contract that Anson Mount has signed for himself in this season. So... What are your overall thoughts here before we dive in deep in the specificity of this episode here from Star Trek Strange New Worlds? I here I'm well, I'm trying to think of this. So, like, look, I 
Because I, I think if you've been listening to our Star Trek reviews, uh, yeah. and we really, you know, we've really, we went through all of season three of Picard. We did a lot of Star Trek love. Um, and I don't want to become just like the guy who just loves everything that they're doing in Star Trek. But sure. Sure. I am currently the guy that's loving everything they're doing on Star Trek. I don't love them getting rid of Star Trek Prodigy and not doing season two. But, like, that yeah. that's a bigger issue. But, like, yeah. look. This is maybe one of the best standalone episodes of TV I've seen in a while. Like, not just Star Trek. It's a great... This was at running... Like, it comes in at 60 minutes, like a full 60-minute episode. And this is basically a truncated, awesome feature film. Yes. I mean, this is the full... This is the full thing. And it does all the things that you want. Here's what I'll say. As good as Star Trek Picard Season 3 was... Yeah. Star Trek uh, Picard season two was a hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. And they did the whole, hey, people love Star Trek for the time travel stuff. Let's do the whole fun go back in time thing. And they had an entire season to do it. And they just dropped the ball every episode. And yeah. this did everything right in one episode that season two of Picard did not do in an entire season. Like it right. was it was that good. Also. You know, we spoke last week, and the first episode out of the gate with season two, uh, I thought was fine. I thought they introduced, you know, Carol Kane came in. They introduced some Mm -hmm. good ideas, but it wasn't, like, knocking me out of the water. As we talked about with episode two, that was a very targeted, it's Star Trek, legal drama in space, but they really hit that thing that sci-fi does well, where they're like, we're going to give you a bunch of social issues, but we're going to do the sci-fi bent on it. Um, But even last week, I said, with La'an... and the whole kind of her dealing with the fact that she's an augment and her dealing with her past with Khan, I was excited to see that even though that was kind of its own standalone episode, how that was going to continue throughout the season. And yeah. they came out of the gate in the very next episode and really nailed it. Um, so they nailed the time travel. They gave us just this really compelling story. Uh, is it Paul Wesley who plays Kirk? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the two of them had insane chemistry. They were killing it together. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was just this perfectly crafted hour of television. And just like last week where they were really getting into the eugenics wars and how that led to these laws against augment augments and genetic engineering. Yeah. Um, and they were really getting into the con of it all. Well, they really got into the con of it all in this episode. And I think that's why you're saying this is going to be controversial. But uh, look, I think this was great. It was just great. Yeah. I mean, you're following up the eugenics war uh, conversation and argument that echoed into last episode, right? And then you're following it up with this because we had seen how Leanne was struggling with her heritage and wanting to break rules to help her mentor uh, there in uh, in uh, Una. So we saw that she was willing to break these rules, willing to do these things because she's struggling with this um, uh, last name. And we see that this carries into this episode and she is doing her mundane security things. But it's but Mabenga is the one, Dr. Mabenga, who says you can't carry this by yourself. You've got to let other people in. And by the end of the episode, she has let someone in and he has died on her. So in essence, you've even hardened her heart possibly even more from ever coming out of the shell 
if the one time she's finally worked to the point that she can't she can come out of her shell, she glimpses this possibility and it is taken away from her. So it's very interesting how they're uh, how they're um, constructing this story, this character here of Leanne and what they're giving her to overcome and confront and deal with as we go further and further into the season. And will she snap? Will she turn? Will all the pain and the sadness and all of it break her? Or will it make her stronger so that when in the future she becomes a captain, she is equipped with all of these experiences to draw from when she's confronted with obstacles or challenges. So I love this. And you mentioned Paul Wesley. Christina Chong deserves so much credit yeah. for what she did in this episode. Really brought her talent and her abilities as an actress to the forefront here throughout this entire... She's driving the narrative and the story. And in essence, Mike, if you want to use that tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow title, she is Macbeth in that she has handed this vision, which is the holographic image of that thing that the guy hands her. And that's what motivates her to go carry on this thing. Now, Macbeth's was more malevolent because he wanted to be king at any cost. Hers is trying to save the galaxy, save the universe. And like that temporal a person from the temporal authority tells her at the end, I didn't make you go do this. You wanted to go do this. And just like Macbeth losing Lady Macbeth, she loses Kirk and she's despondent by the end. So there's a lot here yeah. that you, make, you can well, make a connection to that I enjoy. Yeah. And just listening to you talk about this, it, it made me realize. So here's a big difference. Like, here's a big difference with what Strange New World is doing structurally yeah. than what a lot of the other Star Trek is doing right now. And I think it's important because I think it's what makes Strange New World stand out, yeah. which is there's two different ways when you're kind of building. I mean, there's lots of ways, but there's two big ways you can build a story over the season. And when you're doing these big arcs, you can do a uh, plot-driven storyline right. or you can do a character-driven storyline. So, you know, plot-driven storyline, you can see it everywhere. Uh, Star Trek Discovery, there was a giant explosion that wiped out all warp cores and we have to figure out what did it before it does it again. Right. Um, and then there's a bunch of character stuff that happens between characters as they are trying to solve this overarching thing. Even Picard, which had such great character moments throughout, yeah. what drove that story was why are these people hunting them? What does, yeah. you know, what, like it's, it's all about the bigger threat to the universe, threat to the galaxy, threat to the Federation. There's a big thing and we're trying to solve this thing. And there's a mystery strange yeah. new world. We're three episodes into the season. There's no bigger. Yeah. There isn't like the, the thing that connects episodes one to episode two to episode three is not, well, there's this bigger thing. There might be things. There's obviously plot happening, but what is driving us through these episodes is the characters. Yeah. So the first episode, we're like, okay, this is Spock. He's stepping into the captain's chair and he's a little bit uncomfortable, right, but he's right. gonna he's gonna do what's right, even though it might not be logical because he's a little bit human, a little bit Vulcan. Yeah. Episode two, all about Una all about her life as an augment, all about why she still wanted to join the Federation, all about why this was important to her and who she is as a person and yeah. her relationship with Nira. And now you get into episode three and we just dive deep in La'an. And yes, the, the episode in this contained sense is we need to reset the timeline, but that's not a season arc. That's just a plot for this episode that allows us to have La'an face literally the reason that she has this scarlet letter on her yeah, chest yeah. and make a decision about it. It's all character stuff. Yeah. And um, because Strange New World is kind of doing more of these classic Star Trek sci-fi situation of the week, it's allowing you to just dive really, really deep in characters. <clears throat> and I think in this episode, 
they really uh, showed that to its absolute best advantage, not just with her, but with Kirk as well. Like, yeah. this is the most, you know, Paul Wesley came in at the end of season one and we had the another really great episode with him um, that was another kind of like alternate reality yeah, kind of situation. Right. Yeah. But with this one, I think we really got to see just how good and charming and smart and just, he was, he was given some serious... Kirk can sleep with whoever he wants vibes Yeah, uh, in all the right ways for me <laughs> yeah, personally. No, I, it, no, that's fair. And listen, I, I, for me, for, for me looking at it, I, I didn't a hundred percent. I wasn't a hundred percent on the Paul Wesley train for Kirk. I was with Chris Pine a hundred percent, but then when I, but Paul, I was like, I don't know this episode. You saw that he was doing his version of that Shatner, Chris Pine, Kirk. But it it came organically through who he is as an actor, and you and you saw the moments where he was evoking Kirk, he was evoking the patterns, he was evoking that stuff that you know from the original William Shatner performance, and I thought that worked so well. And like you said, his smoothness is not overt or aggressive; it just is. And so you saw her sneak the looks at him, getting dressed, look at him while he's sleeping, and have them, and then he's the one that goes in for the kiss when they're going on the walk. And I thought that was really interesting to see a Kirk in this way. And then having him die again, for those of us who hate watching Kirk die, it was really the perfect situation and way that Kirk would die by taking a risk. Cause Kirk always takes risks that Sarah, the Romulan wouldn't shoot him. And she did. So it was like, yeah. wow. And uh, you know, this idea of dying around a con, which is a, or around a, a Noonie and Singh rather, which is of course what happens in the JJ Abrams uh, storyline or, or timeline for uh, for example so very interesting stuff uh, for sure so but, i mean yeah. you bring up the jj abrams i mean yeah. look i don't i love the first star trek the first jj abrams yeah. star trek me too i think into darkness is a decent movie but i don't think it's a great con movie like i, I think it's, it's fine good and it has yeah. some great moments but yeah. i don't think that benedict cumberbatch I, who is, I think, an amazing actor, but I think he that is. what the way they got into the con of it all didn't really do it for me. Right. And what the, and I in my mind was like, look, maybe it's just it's Ricardo Montalban. I can't get past that. That's yeah. so iconic. But what they're giving me between the Laon storyline and then seeing this very young con at the beginning oh of the eugenics God. war oh. and everything they're doing, like like they could just keep going on this whole train. And I think right. that they could build to some kind of con story. Look, I know they can't really because we're sort of contained within the, right. this right. is the five year journey of this enterprise before we get to the enterprise we know, but they are really going for it and it's working for me. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about, you know, normally we go beat by beat, but I think this is more about like, it's pretty simple to break it into its into its elements. And then I think we should have discussion about the elements of it all. Okay. What do you think of the story of this particular episode here, Mike? We've got... Her getting this mission in her mind that she has to go and handle this thing. This this guy in a suit comes out. She's clearly dealing with stuff from the second episode that we just saw. It's still in her head. She's doing the security stuff, the mundane stuff. Nice little plant with Pelia and that planting that painting from the Louvre, her place in Vermont. Nice little plant there that seems like a throwaway, but pays dividends later in the show. But we see her go. She's going through these things. Has the fight? Has the training with Mabenga? Mabenga telling her, as I said. She has to let this stuff go or let people in. Then this mission comes to her from this dude who's been shot and he's got he's in a gray suit and he's got this hologram. She takes it and then something flashes as soon as she hits that button on the thing and she goes to the bridge and it's Kirk 
And then her and Kirk have a meeting. They're wrestling over this thing. Boom, they go to the mid-21st century. He thinks it's New York. She knows it's Toronto. And then they go on this mission to figure out what is happening. They find out that someone is causing these explosions, this terrorism stuff, to stop the to stop human beings from going into space. It seems like conspiracy stuff, but it's actually happening. And then we find out that this person who was taking pictures of the wreckage is actually a Romulan, a time traveler in disguise who wants to kill Khan, who's been waiting there for 30 years to kill Khan so that humanity never achieves or goes out into the skies, never creates the Federation, because in this timeline, there is no Starfleet, never does any of this stuff, and she wants to kill Khan. And uh, it's Leanne, of all people who's been struggling with her last name, Milan, who stops her and kills her, has to uh, watches Kirk die in front of her, and then in the end has the opportunity to kill Khan, but does not do it. And it's of course brings back that uh, evokes that uh, the conversation: Would you go back in time and kill right. Hitler if you could? But also there's this discussion about how Kirk is like, look, we're fine how we are. I can't help you, Vulcans. I got to do what I got to do for me. So it's basically the isolationist theory versus the globalist theory. She is about globalism. He is about uh, isolationism. And they have that discussion and battle as well throughout this. And in the end, she's the one that sacrifices so much to be able to allow Khan to do what he does, doom these people to genocide so that in the end, we create the Federation and create this um, a Starfleet that helps to bring peace to the uh, to the galaxy. So it's an incredible sacrifice. And the fact that it all comes back to Leanne, I think some Star Trek hardcore people are going to lose their minds. But what did you think about how integral the Noonien Singh family is to the construction of all this stuff that we've come to love about Star Trek? Well, when they first announced the cast of Strange New Worlds and we knew that there was a Noonien Singh, I mean, that's like a, yeah. you know, that's like a, giant whistle to what whoa whoa what are you doing but uh and in season one they didn't do that much with it um but i really love what they're doing with it now and by doing it in this sort of alternate reality way they're doing a smart job at at least thus far of in a squint test i can say yeah, this doesn't affect my timeline. Like the <laughs> nothing right. about this. Right, this right, doesn't right. affect the original series. This doesn't affect yeah. Wrath of Khan. Like this is all okay. Get it? But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that a lot of the origins of this idea came from the if you could go back in time, would you kill Hitler? Yeah. And what this says is you could do that. Things might get worse. Yeah. And yeah. it's the classic. You know, we don't don't fuck with time because you don't know what will happen. Like, right. Right. you know that that. We just saw it in the flash. And they say, well, and they say, and yeah, which is really what Flashpoint is all about, what Flash is all about. But yeah, I mean, they even say in this thing that like maybe it was the eugenics war. Maybe it was going through this harrowing period of our history that brought us together and made us ready to embrace the bigger galaxy when the Vulcans showed up. So, I, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. So it's an interesting uh, moral dilemma that we just get to see played out with these characters that we know very well if we love Star Trek. But yeah, to your point about the storytelling, this was just tight storytelling. Mm. You know, we start with a we start with a couple really brief bits of just seeing where Laan's at and uh, Mabenga kind of saying for us, hey, you're dealing with some shit. 
Yeah. What are you dealing with? <laughs> and yes, the Pelia, the Pelia plant was a great plant because I didn't know it was a plant. Yeah, I know. Like you're like, Ugh. when you're just like, okay, I get it. We're seeing yeah. that Laon's dealing with stuff and Pelia is a weirdo and she has a bunch of this stuff. And Carol Kane is Carol Kaning all over the bridge. And I love it. <laughs> Very funny. And you just don't even think about, oh, this painting is from the Louvre and you lived in Vermont. Great. Cool. Yeah. You don't even like, there's, there's a lot of times that we all see movies and TV shows where somebody says something and you go, okay, well that's coming back later. Obviously, right. that's coming back later. They're hanging a lamp on that. <laughs> didn't that didn't see it at all. Get into the action right away. Get to the other Enterprise right away. See Kirk. Understand things are going bad. And then you instantly go. And like even as you were going through the episode uh, and explaining what happened, when you really get to the plot of it, it's pretty simple. It's, it, yeah. it's, it's deceptively simple. It doesn't feel simple when you're watching it. It feels really full. But it's like we go back in time. We got to find something. We don't know what it is. A bridge explodes. Oh, that's it. Right. Let like that 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 happened, but let's see where we go from here. Figure out that there's some people to chase, chase them down, get some information, go to the place, Kirk is shot. Like that's what happens, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Why it feels so full is because they took so much time for character stuff. Yeah. So like by having them show up and not know what the fuck to do, right. the plot kind of stops. Like they don't know where to go. You're you're back in time and we have no idea what to do. So what do you do? You go get clothes. You get the entire thing where Kirk has never seen a revolving door. They don't have money. You got to do the money thing. Well, yeah. what are we going to do? We're going to freeze to death. The whole Kirk decides to play chess in the park. And, oh, Kirk is actually really good at chess. Like, like it's all character stuff. Right. And that's great because it really gives you the time with these two to just sort of bounce off of each other. And they are just doing a great job. Like we know, and this is what I think is great. This is where I will say one thing that I think I like a little bit more about Paul Wesley's Kirk than Chris Pine's Kirk Ooh. Ooh. is that in the, and this isn't Chris Pine's fault. This is just the right. writing, but in JJ Abrams, Star Trek, when we get to Starfleet, uh, Kirk is, you know, sleeping with Uhura's green roommate and right. he's hiding under the bed and he's doing the Kirk thing. Like we know that Kirk sleeps around and slept with half the galaxy. So we're right. seeing Kirk sleep with the roommate and he's kind of, you know, doing his sex thing. And like, that's great. And it's very funny. Yes. This Kirk is so suave and charming and sweet. Like this is the Kirk that you are like. I was, I would sleep with you. I don't care who else you slept with. I'll sleep with you right now. <laughs> like this one is laying on the charm, not just the goofy kind of sexy thing. Like I'm like, yeah. Oh, this is, this is hot. Um, and like there, and it's just really smart time travel stuff. Yeah. yeah. How, how do we get the money? How do we do this? How do we do that? Like it really kind of like makes sense. And then right when we're sort of like, okay, this is all fun. Where are we going? You have a giant explosion. So, yeah. okay, now I'm interested again. And then when you meet, Sarah, I believe is the wrong. Yeah, yeah Sarah, Sarah, the Romulan. Yeah. That's a whole fun bit where you're like, okay, well, this is a person that's giving us information and helping us get on the trail, but oh, she's right about some stuff. And we learn, okay, that is a Romulan ship. Like it gives us plot information. So again, yeah. I didn't see it coming that she was going to be the bad guy. Right. I was like, oh, that's a fun character. Cool. Didn't really see it. Some of you guys right now are like Vogel's a fucking idiot. I saw it from a mile <laughs> away. Maybe you did. I was still in love with Kirk. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. I'm in the boat with um, Mikey. I didn't see it coming at all. Yeah. And you make time for a great car chase, which oh, in yeah. a car that I believe is the same car from the beginning of J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Yeah, I was going to say. The, the, it's a Corvette, this, right? Like It's, yeah. the, cor oh, it's, totally. the, it's the same Corvette. Yeah. Um, so we got a nice little nod Easter egg to the Star to Kirk in that Star Trek. Yeah. But yeah, so you just get all of this really wonderful character stuff. And it's particularly important because 
and they make a really fine point of this. Like Laan has never met anybody who had no idea who she was. Like, right. Was she literally point. for all intents and purposes, her last name, if she was in the real world would be Laan Hitler. Right. Like that's what <laughs> she's carrying yes. with her. Sure. And everybody who meets her is like, Oh, right. Noonie and Singh. So no wonder she's always got her guard up. But now there's this guy who is like super charming, really smart, fun to be fun to be going on an adventure with and has no idea who she is. Yeah. Like, so you get why she's going to let her guard down. It doesn't feel forced right. that she right. all of a sudden meets this guy and within like a couple days is like, yeah, I really, really like you a lot. So I thought that was really smart. And then I also really quick just thought yeah. <clears throat> the entire debate that they had about their two real like you're right yeah. there is sort of a global uh a globalization versus isolation kind of thing mm -hmm. but more to the point and this is there's so many times where you do this type of story where you're like you're the main character and you're like i have to save my reality and the other person is like you're right we do have to save your reality this reality is garbage <laughs> and like i think this is way more honest yeah like i think there's some shit going on in america is really pissing me off right now and if somebody showed up from another reality and said, oh, Trump was never president for us. We have this, we have this, and everybody gets free cotton candy. I'm not going to go like, oh, cotton candy sounds great. Let me abandon all my friends and let everything I know disappear. So the fact that Kirk is like, no, no, I'm going to sit here and drink out of the mini bar and keep my reality. Thank you so much for playing. Right. Like is actually a more honest reaction and what i love all and to your point like everything she says about we have gone off into the stars we are friends with the vulcans he's like i don't care yeah and then when she says you could be an explorer you see him sort of be like okay i that's something about that got me but i'm still not on board it's not until he finds out his brother is alive in the other reality right right so again there he's not making some sweeping uh, moral statement on, I believe that we should all be together. So I'm going to sacrifice. He's like, I will, I will die. So my brother can live. It is yeah. completely personal. Right. Um, so it's all character based. So yeah, everything that they did, um, even the fun little journey to Vermont to see, P to see Pelia, like very funny. Carol, more Carol Kane, please, please. Yes. Like she was great. Yeah. And it was a very smart plot device to get us where we needed to go. Um, so yeah, as far as I'm concerned, like this was a masterclass in here's how you tell a tight, tight hour mini movie. Yeah. I was going to ask you about, uh, the relationship with Kirk and Leanne, but you kind of naturally went there. So I'm going to give my two cents on that. Yeah. yeah. I really love the chemistry between them. I, I texted you halfway through the episode and I was like, I want to see a rom-com with these two, not knowing how it was going to end, not knowing they were actually going to kiss, but you could sense that things were happening. And certainly uh, Leanne was the first one who kind of is uh, uh, entertaining that possibility when she sneaks that look at him before she turns away, when he's getting dressed there in the dressing room, uh, they both commit petty crimes. So, okay. Interesting. But I like that. There's an element of that. I like the conversation about the hot dogs, the conversation about the sunset, right? Cause we find out that he was born on the USS Iowa in space not in Iowa on Earth as the actual Kirk and her timeline is born. And then we find out, of course, that his brother's alive. And what that means, they have fun banter about his middle name, Tiberius, which is a meta thing because so many people talk about that middle name of James uh, James T. Kirk's. And so there's so, there was so much that they explored here. And the, and, the, and the progression of the relationship made sense. It was natural because these two were fantastic 
in their acting and in their chemistry and their performances to make it believable. So when that kiss happens, it makes sense. It makes a hundred percent sense. Them battling over philosophies makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. But that happens sometimes. You meet somebody, and in one day or two days, if you spend a lot of time with each other, that you get caught up in the fact that there's this because you're seeing you're showing the best parts of yourself, and so you get caught up in what could be. And so her letting her guard down, I thought, was a nice new layer to add to Leon Nunian Singh. Right? I, I thought it was really fun to see that. From her and Christine Chong, again, just doing wonderful work here, playing the multiple levels as this relationship yeah. progresses, and Paul Wesley as well. So that when the situation with Sarah happens and we get this conversation with her, and we'll get to Sarah in a second, and then at the end of what happens when she shoots Kirk, we are so invested in this relationship by that time that although they've only been together for 20 to 30 minutes of the episode, we feel their death so his death so powerfully and her reaction to his death all the way to the last seconds of the episode when she collapses on the bed, essentially sobbing after she reaches out to the crook in her timeline and, and the watch that she still has that they both came together to find that cold fusion reactor with is there in the foreground in focus while she is out of focus. So just fantastic stuff in terms of character and the moments that they built this, the natural moments that they built this relationship. Like you said, Michael, the key was it wasn't forced because he doesn't know who she is. So it seemed believable that she would let her guard down with someone like Kirk. So I thought that was fantastic for sure. Um, yeah. We'll, yeah, go ahead. We'll, we'll, no, we'll, yeah. Uh, just really quickly. I mean, yeah. cause like on both sides, you're right. Like, like you get why she lets her guard down to him. And I think, yeah. cause she's such a strong character. You get for, from what we know of Kirk, um, having this woman who just doesn't back down is busting yeah. balls as well as she can. Like you just, the yeah. banter between them was so natural, uh, and so much fun yeah. that, yeah, you don't question. You didn't say, Oh, well, I, I don't know why those two fell for each other. You're like, no, 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 I, I, I will kiss them both. <laughs> well, I'll go halfway with you on that. Uh, let's take a quick break and, uh, we'll jump into a little bit more of the episode right after this. Hello, Geek Buddies fans. Before we jump into today's episode, let's give a warm thank you to our sponsor, Marquee TV. Their support is why we're able to bring this podcast to you. Marquee TV isn't just any streaming service. They're your gateway to an incredible world of arts and culture. That's right, Johnny. I've explored Marquee TV, and I've been amazed by their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. It is a treasure trove for any arts and culture lover. Right now, I'm in the middle of watching the Royal Shakespeare Company's production of The Tempest, and I've also got my eye on that Shakespeare masterclass taught by Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, Shannon, and speaking of the RSC, I watched Christopher Eccleston's performance of Macbeth last night, and I'm going to jump into Kit Harington's performance of Henry V from the Donmar Warehouse. Imagine having the world's most breathtaking ballets, dramatic theater productions, and magical operas at your fingertip. That's the experience Marquee TV offers, making the arts accessible wherever you are. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents that's right three months for only 99 cents with the code buddies b-u-d-d-i-e-s simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code buddies to dive into the world of arts like never before bring the arts home with marquee tv get three months for just 99 cents visit marquee.tv to start your journey into the world of arts now use code buddies explore the extensive library of performances on marquee tv today and keep up with the latest in art streaming by following at marquee tv on social media 
Any no? Nope, that's next generation. I don't know. I got it. That's next generation. God, um, that's all, right. all I got in my head. Well, what did you think? Let's move on to Sarah here. This uh, this Romulan here. Initially, when she shows up, she's taking pictures. We see the photonic torpedo. Um, uh, Noonien Singh is a little rough with her, and Kirk has to kind of smooth things for this. They can look at the pictures. They notice these things. And then Kirk is the one that gets pulled over eventually when he's doing this car chase, chasing the black band, as you said, so cleverly evoking J.J. Abrams' uh, Star Trek from 2009. Uh, and, then we, and Sarah's there to talk the cops out of arresting him, which, of course, is really interesting because we know nowadays citizen journalism. We know people pull out their phones to, photo, to video cops. So it's a really interesting moment there that evokes what we've got going in our world, eventually talks them out of it. And then she uh, has food with them, tells them about this idea that she has that, you know, this is all the stuff that's happening on Earth is to keep humanity from going to space. And she seems like one of these nutty conspiracy people, but she seems like she's got a good heart. And uh, even Noonien Singh is like, look, she's unstable. We can trust her, but she's unstable, even though Kirk wants to give her a little more credit. She ends up saying this really sweet thing to them, like, thanks for taking me seriously and not calling me crazy. You don't know how much this means to me. And so we're invested. We're like, okay, maybe it seems weird that they're okay with a conspiracy person, but she seems like a nice person. We're on board. And then we get when they get to the Noonien Singh Institute, when they figured out the cold fusion stuff, she's right there with a gun. And we find out she's a Romulan who's been a, who's been the one doing all these terrorist things for the last 30 years because she's been trying to get to Khan. And it, she gets she kills Kirk, uh, uh, fights off uh, Noonien Singh initially, shoots, kills a bunch of security guards at the Institute, gets to the door of Khan, which is a hell of a reveal. And then in the end, Leanne is the one that turns it around, fights her off, and then eventually kills her. So And she disappears herself or whatever at the end there. So what did you think of the, of Sarah's role in this uh, episode coming in later, as late as she did in the episode, but still having a profound effect on this episode? So yeah, so like like break it down to when we first see her and we just use her to like get a close up of the of the explosion. Yeah. You're like, okay, so extra. She's an extra. Then when she shows up after the car chase, I was like, well, that's weird. <laughs> like that's weird. Like, yeah. like definitely like my spidey sense tingled. <clears throat> but kind of to your point, we went right into this. Oh, she she's a nut. She's an alien nut. Like she's okay. She's a conspiracy theorist, whatever. And so then I really thought, oh, well, they just got this actress and we're having this really like she's having a lot of fun with this role. And this is all exposition. Yeah. This is how we learned that the Romulans were here. This is how we learned certain bits of information, yeah. the cold fusion thing. Like she's a plot device. She's exposition. And then we get rid of her. Yeah. Um, and they even kind of, to your point about them kind of being okay with a, with a, uh, you know, a conspiracy nut, yeah. like they make a good point. Like, you right. know, to them right. from where they live, the person running around saying there's aliens yeah. out there she's and right. they, like she's right. And so yeah. I think it's even Kirk says it. He's like, you know, like uh Laon is like, she's unstable. And he's like, Yeah, but think how isolating it must be to be running around and telling everybody something and everybody nobody believes you, and like you're closer to right than you think you are. Yeah. Um, so I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Plot exposition, interesting commentary on alien nuts. Let's move on. So also, then when also a quick um a quick, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a quick uh, putting you on the wrong path with this mysterious guy who's been showing up at these things, and you think that's the real villain, not yeah. her. So great. Oh yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. You're right, yeah. totally. So then you got all that, 
<clears throat> and then you get to uh, the Noonien Singh uh, Institute, and she shows up with the gun. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> at first I was like, oh, she's really crazy, and she's gonna do, she's gonna cause a problem. And then when I was like, oh no, she's a Romulan, I was like, oh well, shit, I did not see that. That was not in my bingo card. <laughs> Um, but I think it's really interesting and it, and it introduces this idea as this whole Federation temporal, uh, group, yeah. um, uh, later on this idea that there are entire groups of people in the future that are battling over timelines. Yeah. Um, yeah. so in that way, we're getting into a little bit of Marvel Kang, Hello, the like TVA. that yeah. type of stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, the TVA, like we're kind of stepping into that tour. So it is interesting that just culturally between Flashpoint and the multiverse in Marvel and everything everywhere all at once. And now Fox Star Trek, like, like yeah. not that Star Trek didn't do alternate realities before and across right. the spider, like, like every comic book and sci-fi and fantasy thing, we've all dealt with this idea before, but not in the, mass sort of commercial mm. everybody understands this way and so introducing this aspect into star trek and this idea that we can return to that in the future the federation has an entire group devoted to dealing with timelines and that the romulans are mm. all up in everybody's business going back in time trying to cause all kinds of problems it's a big idea that could either like reap dividends for Star Trek or just be a complete mess of storytelling. So it's it's a it's an interesting thing to like once you pull this genie out of the box. Yeah. It's it's a it's a big genie, but I think that it's interesting and I really did enjoy it with this one particular character with Sarah like Yeah. I mean, and just like all of the, it was just good writing. It's like when she was like, yeah, still getting used to the ears, but uh, da, 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 da. like she, she just got it. She did a really nice 180. It was a great performance on her part. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have her name because it's not in the cast list as we're recording this review, but shout out to that actress. She did a wonderful job, fit right in, was totally believable. And when the switch happened, her acting from what you, you thought was someone you could feel sorry for to someone you were scared of or intimidated by. Um, I thought it was a nice switch uh, for sure. Um, what about this moment here at the end or near the end with uh, Lon and um, and Khan? I mean, seeing that name right there in front of the door. I mean, I screamed. I screamed. My, my, the Lady Allah had to come in and was like, what, what's going on with you? And I'm like, it's Khan! Uh, and just my <laughs> natural impulse when Khan shows up in anything. And so my, I had a fear. I had a worry here because I was like, Oh my God, if you mess with it, and I know it's an alternate timeline. I get it. It's not it's not the main timeline. It's an off, but still, you're messing with stuff and you're trying to line up these timelines. So I was like, what is happening here? So when uh she walks in and we and and well, the doors opened and Sarah dies there. Um, we see this young kid pop up, and he is the appropriate ethnicity for Khan, which I thought was a nice choice. And then having this moment where she, he says, Are you gonna kill me? And she says no, and they have this back and forth and this conversation, and she leaves him with this one line. I want to find it here. Uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. He that you are right where you need to be, even though you may not understand what I'm saying. So what a thing to say that you are right where you need to be. So in that moment, she is understanding that Khan must she must let Khan live so that all these terrible things can happen, but it'll lead in the end to a much more positive result so it's a hell of a thing to put on lawn but i thought that scene worked so well to lead us into the scene with the temporal investigator and then of course her calling kirk which was so bittersweet uh, I know, we'll talk, that that we'll get to that in a minute yeah that yeah was, so, so that was yeah, take me through all that 
Yeah. But no, I think that um, this is what the episode's about. This is what her character's about. Like, I, I am, you know, we learned in the last episode in her conversation with Nira, like, she is tore up yeah. about her lineage, about the fact that she's inherited some of that augmented genetics from Khan yeah. and that has made her really um, ashamed of who she is to a degree. And that she's carried around this scarlet letter of a last name her entire life that carries such a burden. And so when I, this was the one moment, it was, it was the right moment, but it didn't fully land. When Sarah says to her, if you just, mm. you, you, you're holding this device, you don't have to obey any rules. You can kill him and go live any life you want. Right. I know that that's what the offer needs to be. We obviously know she's not going to do it, <clears throat> but, um, but that is the temptation yeah. is that she goes into this room at the end and here's this kid. This kid is it like yeah. she has a chance right here. Stop the eugenics war. So eugenics war never happens. Right. Um, but she now fully understands the cause and effect of everything. And she mm -hmm. now understands that as bad as this all was, the world she has now is what it is because of it. You can't, yeah. you, you, that, that, and and seeing Kirk's world and seeing how bad how things could potentially be worse and just yeah. understanding the bigger picture of it all puts you in that position of when she says to him you're exactly where you need to be. She, yes, that's saying you don't understand this, but you've got to go. You've got to go live your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, yeah. so that the world can be what it's going to be. But it's also her accepting who she is in a way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, kind yeah. of putting that putting that part to rest, saying, look. It is what it is. Yeah. This is who I am. And when I had an opportunity to change it, like I wouldn't actually change the rest of the world. Right. Right. It's not worth it for me. So I'm going to live with what I am and who I am. Some people, and I love this, some characters, Mike, have to carry the weight. Right. And Mabeng at the beginning is like, oh, you got to let people in. You got to, you know, you, gotta, you don't have to carry it alone. But some people, unfortunately, in our world, have to carry the weight some people have much more pain to navigate in their worlds than other people and it's an unfortunate situation so how do you do that and i think leon is in a way a tragic figure even though she's a strong figure she's a tragic figure in the way because here is a perfect opportunity for her to end this whole thing and she doesn't because in essence she would probably end herself because then Kirk, i mean the con doesn't go on and you know have a child that has a child that becomes her uh, so there's these decisions that she makes, but she carries the weight. And uh, when we see that woman show up from the uh, Department of Temporal Investigations, I didn't write her name down, but her saying that you can't tell anybody, you literally cannot tell anybody. And the only other person you could have talked to about it died in your arms. So this is it. You must now carry the weight of this as well going forward. And so it, it's incredible. You know, there's that line, you know, to, to, was it great power comes great responsibility. And then also some shoulders just have to carry more weight than others. And certainly with Leanne, by the end, there's even more that she has to carry. What did you think of the department of temporal investigation showing up and her reaching out to Kirk in her timeline for the first time and meeting for him for the first time ever, by the way. Um, and then having her breakdown that she does at the end, which was so heartbreaking to see. Well, so like I said, I think the idea of uh, the Federation having a, what is it called? The Temporal, uh, temporal oh, yeah. um, Department of Temporal Investigation. There, the, the, uh, the Federation having a Department of Temporal uh, Investigation 
is a really interesting idea that yeah. opens up. I mean, basically, it's the TVA. Right. I mean, it's the TVA. Like, it's that's what it is. Or, and once it's, you, it's the world within worlds that you have in Star Wars where you can jump into any yeah. other timeline and change things. Yeah, and so yeah. once you introduce that, yeah. It, it don't all I'll say is don't overuse it. Yes, a hundred percent. Just don't overuse it. Don't make this whole season yeah. about the Department of Temporal Investigation. Or if you do, you better really stick that fucking landing. But <laughs> but uh so yeah, that's like just like those are those ideas you're like, that's cool, don't yeah. overuse it. Um and there, you know, like and every Star Trek, Star Wars, Marvel, they, everyone is guilty once in a while of you had that thing that you did and people yeah. are like, that's really cool. And then like a year and a half later, you're like, please no more. <laughs> I don't need it anymore. Please stop. So that this could be that, but yeah. it's an interesting idea. Like time travel is interesting. Time travel is all also a completely uh, horrible storytelling device because it is impossible to do without it becoming paradoxical. So mm-hmm. It is just a nightmare of storytelling, but when you get a really good time travel story, it's really good. Um, and a mul- you know, an alternate realities and multiverses. Um, so I think that's interesting. I think the most important thing from a character standpoint to come out of this is the, you can't speak about this to anyone. Yeah. Because to your point, the very beginning of this episode is Dr. Mbenga saying, you got to let people in. Yeah. And then you get to the end and you have this character saying, you can't speak about this thing to anybody. And you see how, what that does to her. And look, I'm not, this is not me saying that La'an is queer in any sense of the word, because she clearly was all about Kirk. But I will tell you that if you were ever a closeted queer kid who felt like they couldn't tell anybody what was going on with them emotionally, when you watch her have that conversation with Kirk and get off the phone and just break down, like it hits you. You're like, oh yeah, I remember that. That was rough. I've been there. That was that whole moment where you're like, I'm not going to tell my parents about this. I'm not going to tell my siblings about this. I'm not going to tell my friends about this. If I tell anybody this, this is going to be the worst thing ever. Like that one hit. You're like, Oh yeah, no, no. I, that those tears. I know those tears. I remember that. Um, and it was great. Now what's, what's going to be interesting is from a nerdy time travel standpoint, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. La'an should never tell anybody about what happened. Right. Then the that it stays its own story. We never have to deal with it. It doesn't fuck up with our Star Trek timeline. From an emotional character standpoint, that bitch better talk to somebody. <laughs> like that you don't like you can't just say, "Oh, yeah. Laan had the most emotionally traumatizing thing happen ever. Right. She faced her ultimate genetic demon, fell in love with somebody who accepted her, lost that person." saved the universe but can't speak of it ever that is not as my therapist would say that's not okay (laughs) you don't want to do that so i'm gonna be really intrigued to see where laon's story goes for the rest of this season because it i I want her to tell somebody i want her to whether it be dr mabenga or una or pelia Or, you know, like the only person she probably really can't tell if you're going to get really nerdy about Star Trek stuff is you can't tell Kirk about it. He doesn't need, he can't know about con stuff yet. He just needs to live his life. But like everyone else, I'm like, talk to, talk to Nurse Chapel, talk to somebody. (laughs) 
yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where this goes and how much of that pops up. And if the department of temporal investigations is actually a good department that helps things or sets things in a certain direction because they have their agenda as well, you know? So I'm going to be real curious to see how that plays into the overall storylines of what's going on here in this particular season. I will tell you, like after, after the episode was over, like actually after I had my emotional, Oh, that reminds me of being gay moment. And then Mm. I was sitting there afterwards, I was thinking about it and I was like, I would work. I would work for the department of temporal investigation. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Keep the timeline straight. Don't let everybody fuck with shit. Like, let's just keep it on. Let's not fuck. Don't, don't go kill Hitler. <laughs> don't go. Don't go. A lot go, of pressure, man. There's a don't lot go of make sure. Wrong. Don't go make sure Eric Stoltz stayed Marty McFly in Back to the Future. <laughs> like, don't just don't fuck with everything. Let everything. It is what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I don't think I could handle that. I wouldn't be good at that job. I really wouldn't be good at job um but yeah all right well any uh let's uh wrap up our review here Mike. well what, let me yeah, let me ask you this i have a question for you you yeah, said you kick things ask, off yeah. you kick things off by saying i think this is going to be a very controversial episode and mm. then we went through the entire episode and talked about how much we both liked it yeah yeah what do you think the other side of the reaction will be uh to this episode i think people are very sensitive about how you play with calm and i think as you said it reminded a lot of us who were uh, who have, uh, who are watching or listening, um, that the reaction from a lot of Star Trek fans that they were adding a Noonien Singh to the cast uh, character was a massive explosion on the internet in terms of the Star Trek community. There were a lot of people who were against it, didn't like it, started throwing out, well, this doesn't make sense in the chronological order of things, and how would this be possible, and why this is going to ruin Khan. So there were a lot of people that were upset about it. Me, I don't mind messing with shit. I like to mess with shit because I think it's good. It's always good to question stuff, mess with shit, and see how strong this thing actually is. So I like this episode. But I do think that there are other people who are going to be like, no, this doesn't make sense. Why would you do this? She should totally do it. So it's okay that she let all these people die. Just the, the Federation could have created been created in a different way. And so there's going to be pushback on the episode that is my prediction but i hope it's muted because this was an incredibly well written well directed well acted and well constructed episode that worked in the narrow approach that they were having about two alternate timelines and trying to correct things uh so that they end up leading to the creation of the federation of planets it's it's interesting i i'll be curious to see where it goes because look in this new era of star trek i think that I'm a big, I've been a big fan. I was a fan of Star Trek Discovery from the get-go. I liked Star Trek Discovery from the get-go. I liked season one, but it is undeniable that they made a couple choices that really kind of fucked with the timeline. Yeah. Like having a ship as technologically advanced as the Discovery and the whole spore drive, you're like, I'd never heard of that before. And having a bunch of Klingons running around dressed like they were in Macbeth was also an interesting choice. So they definitely made some think choices that when you tell stories that predate the stories we know, yeah. <clears throat> they ran into some trouble. That's why when they brought in the Enterprise at the end of season one, all of a sudden everybody was wearing the proper Starfleet uniforms. Yep, yep. They made a comment about the holographic technology versus talking to somebody on a screen. Like they were doing a lot of retconning that ultimately led to them just sending the Discovery 
thousands of years into the future yeah, to yeah. avoid the issues that they created for themselves. Yeah. So they've done that. They've done, they've gone down that road before. So now that we're in this strange new world territory, and we talked about this last week with Spock's character, like yeah. there's certain things that you're like, I don't know that this quite matches up, but if it's a really compelling story, I'm willing to put some of the character stuff aside. Mm. And I, as long as you don't really fuck with the bigger things. And I think because they've already made the mistake, not, it's not like it's the exact same team, but with Kurtzman and the team overseeing everything, like yeah. they know the mistakes they made on discovery. So I don't think they're going to fuck with things too much. But that being said, when you've got Kirk and Spock running around in a TV show and you've thrown, the name con around pretty liberally, yeah. like you're definitely walking a tightrope. So um, I agree with you. Like, I don't think that this episode in any way, shape or form um, harmed yeah. the arc of Kirk and con and everything that we know from the movies and the, and the original series. That being said, they're walking a line. <laughs> and so far I feel like they are walking it appropriately, but yes. uh, we will see where they go. Yeah, and plus, I mean, you've got a Kirk, a Captain Kirk in a timeline hooking up with an ancestor of Khan. So that's, I think there's going to be issues there as well, even though I enjoyed that. I can see people having issues with that. But overall, thought it was a fantastic episode, uh, uh, and I'm sure Michael agrees as well that we've, we've been very clear about it throughout this uh, uh, review here, and one that I think a lot of people are going to uh, talk about and debate and uh, have fun discussions about for sure, and we would love to hear from you all what you think as well um all right well that's our spoiler review here for this particular episode tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow uh michael uh, what do we have to tell the people who are watching or listening to us yeah if you would like to follow us you can do so on twitter at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you would like to follow mr roca you can do it at the roca says and if you would like to follow me you can follow me at mk tune um the other things that you can do for us is to smash that like button below subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page leave your comments below what did you think of this episode what do you think of strange new worlds this season two so far what do you think of time travel multi-dimensional storytelling let us know your thoughts below if you are listening Listening to us on a podcast, please leave us some comments and some stars so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing you can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We appreciate y'all watching or listening to this review, and we'll talk to you next time with a brand new spoiler review of Strange New Worlds here on The Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. 
and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.